At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one, with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non toxic, non flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. We have a fabulous guest for you today and a fabulous conversation, as always. Okay, before we get into that, I'm going to let you know what I'm doing today. I'm actually doing PM service on Liebert's, and I'm on site right now doing this intro. So doing some PM service and cleaning humidifier pans. Now, the way these pans work is they fill with water. There's some light bulbs above. The light bulbs heat up the top of the water. The water evaporates, gets pulled into the airstream, and gets moved around the room, circulated around the room. That's how the space is humidified. Now, as that water evaporates, it leaves behind the minerals, and they stick in the pan. Now, we have to clean those pans every once in a while as part of our, our preventative maintenance, and I'm just using a liquid scale dissolver. Um, that's how that's how I'm cleaning them and that's how I've cleaned them in the past I find it works really really well um, but guys Josh Josh Zolan who's the CEO of an HVAC company out in Arizona but that's not what we're really here to talk about we're here to talk about Josh's book which drops actually as I'm recording this May 28th 2019 Josh's book is blue is the new white the best path to success no one told you about until now and it's regarding the trades gap that we're seeing these days. It's regarding how the trades are a valid option after high school. The, the, the book is written as a reference. It's very easy to read, very well written, and, and it's kind of targeting the influencers that are going to influence the kids. And, and when I say influencers, I mean parents, I mean guidance, guidance counselors, I mean teachers, and it's also for people that are kind of stuck. And what am I going to do next? Am I going to go to college? trades is it a good option well this book is going to tell you trades are a fabulous option going forward as a career and we're going to talk about trade adjacent careers that you can get into once you kind of have experienced the trades and get good at them there's many different branches okay it can take you a lot of different paths you can go down after you've learned the trades um, like business ownership um, managerial roles and we're going to talk about all of that stuff coming up. Okay, guys? So listen up, guys. The book, I'm going to have tons of information for you in the podcast notes, like websites and all that kind of stuff. So Josh is a great guy. Listen up. HVAC Know-It-All Podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. So I'm checking out the True Tech Tools website like I normally do during the podcast, and I'm looking at a scope. It's a video inspection scope. It's called Refco RefScope. Now, the reason I'm bringing this one up is because it's on sale now for $299, regular $574. Now, that's that's a pretty cool deal on that. You guys might want to check it out. If you're in the market for a scope, maybe do your uh, your homework, check it out. And if you think it's a good deal for you, maybe there you go. You got a scope in your tool bag, in your truck. For when you got to scope things out and look at heat exchangers um, and hard places and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, True Tech Tools, guys, obviously you get the 8% with the promo code Know It All. 
Okay. And to save on Testo stuff, you need the preferred Testo pricing link, which is always in the podcast notes. Testo fans. And if you haven't tried Testo yet, you're going to be pleasantly surprised about what's about to drop. Okay. So just clicking on this link here, Testo smart probes and AC refrigeration kit. They're coming out with a new one and guess what? It's got some features that everybody's been asking for uh, a 350 foot Bluetooth range for one. And the transducers, the pressure transducers have built in uh, like 45s to get to, I don't know if it's a true 45, but it's got that angle. Okay. That can allow you to get onto tighter or harder uh, service fittings that are kind of jammed in there. So look for that kit coming real soon, guys. You can go to testo.com and have a look at it because that's where I am right now. I'm looking at it. It's coming soon. It's dropping very, very soon, guys. So I'm excited about it. And I'm sure you guys are too once you see it in action because you know I'll be testing it out, giving you my feedback, but it's Testo stuff. They're always They're always great tools. I love them. Um, I had the distinct pleasure of trying out the NAVAC NRS2IO1 electronic wireless scale. Okay, now this thing's very sleek, very compact. And when I opened up the box, I was pleasantly surprised that it came with a carrying case. I was looking for the remote in the box, and I'm like, well, where's the remote? And I found it on the side. It's actually tucked into its own compartment. You push the remote, and it pops out like a spring-loaded mechanism. And when the remote pops out, um, fits in your hand. It's got a really cool, like retro calculator design to it. I really, really like it. Um, it's like silver and black, like a like an old high school calculator. But I really, really dig the the design. I actually posted a picture of it uh, last week, I believe it was, when I was using it, and it's got a lot of a lot of features on it. So check that out if you're in the market. And right now, it is on sale for two forty eight oh nine at True Tech Tools, down from. 344. The other thing I wanted to let you know about is if you're in the market for a digital vacuum gauge, there is a very economical vacuum gauge on the market made by Yellow Jacket and it's called the Omni. Now the Omni, it's got a uh, like a, a liquid paper display. It's got like a, you can change it from black to white in the background. It makes it really easy to read. The cool thing about it is it's got um, a rating to it can take up to 450 PSI positive pressure. Now, when you're charging a system from a vacuum, you have to be very careful with your micron gauge because not a lot of them can take um, an ample amount of positive pressure. You have to make sure that you read the instructions before you start adding refrigerant. Okay, but the Omni can take up to 450 PSI, so you don't really have to worry about getting it off the system. If you forget and you put the whole holding charge in, it's not a big deal. Just make sure you keep it upright to keep the system contaminants out, okay? Um, and it's also got a built-in um, angle for those tight spots and tight service fittings. Um, so I got a job that was recently approved to clean some condenser coils and evaporator coils, and I'm going to have my apprentice do it or probably 90% of it, one of the apprentices anyway, not my apprentice per se, but one of the apprentices at the shop, he's going to do the job. Now, I'm going to have him clean the uh, 
the Evaps or the VAP Plus by Refrigeration Technologies. It's the Viper Evap Plus. It's a non-rinsing formula. Okay, so you don't have to rinse with water afterwards. Um, it's, it contains enzymes that destroy odor, casing bacteria. It's non-toxic. Okay, awesome stuff made by the Pastorello family. Now, we all know about Nylog and Wet Rag and, and Big Blue, and it's from the same family of chemicals. So if you guys are cleaning evaporators, Viper Evap Plus should be on your shopping list as far as I'm concerned. Um, big news, if you're in Canada, Cool Air Products has um, recently moved up into Canada with a relationship with ES Gallagher. Okay, so if you guys are looking for um, external, like Smart Seal external or Smart Seal uh, Quick Shot, the internal base sealant, uh, you can reach out to ES Gallagher and speak to them. Okay, it's ES Gallagher. I can put a link in the podcast notes. You can reach out to them um, to find out or or make make the arrangements right to 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 purchase it. So that'll be left up to you guys once you reach out to them, but they are carrying the products. So they have moved north of the border. And don't forget the relationship with House Call Pro, um, paperless billing, invoicing. Okay, very, very easy to use because I've seen it in action. Color-coded blocks for the dispatcher to look at, billing straight from the driveway, invoicing straight from the driveway, of your customer's home or office. Okay, takes the paper out of the van, takes the paper off the desk. So check them out. My landing page is housecallpro.com forward slash HVAC know it all. What's up, Josh? How you doing tonight? Good, Gary. How are you? I'm I'm doing good, man. I had uh, I had my boys' first uh, soccer practice of the uh, of the summer. I actually, say I shouldn't say my boy because I got three, but um, my middle my middle one had his first <laughs> soccer practice, and that was cool. Going out to the park in the nice weather again, and and getting to enjoy the outdoors. Um, you got a cool book on the horizon. Um, we can talk about the book in a minute. When when is the launch date of that book? Uh, it officially goes on sale May 28th. May 28th. Cool. So um, where, like, is it just online or are you selling in stores? Just just a bit of a teaser before we actually get into the meat and potatoes. Sure, sure. No, it's uh, strictly on Amazon. Okay. Um, you know, so uh, we chose to, to launch strictly on Amazon because, I mean, really, what can't you buy on Amazon? We were just talking about this day and age, right? In this day and age, it, uh, I think it just bit easier to stay on uh, uh on amazon we are going to have a a paperback and a hardcover available though cool awesome before we get into the book um give us a bit of uh your background so i grew up uh in kenosha wisconsin midwest and uh, uh my path was always kind of chosen for me in in high school i shouldn't say chosen for me i i chose it myself but uh, I was fa- following the family footsteps, um, and I just knew that college wasn't in the cards for me. Uh, mm-hmm. I was—I uh, came from a, a lineage of stunt people. 
Um, you know, my grandfather doubled for Charles Bronson. He started the first ever stunt school. Had people from all over the world come through his school, first in California, then he moved it over to, to Florida. Uh, that's how my mom and my dad met. My mom was an instructor there. And so uh, he went out to California to that school, him and my mom met there. And uh, so all throughout high school, I was very vocal about, hey, I know I'm not going to college. I know that uh, that's not the path for me. I'm, I'm going to be a stuntman, right? Because in high school, um, that sounds really cool to say. And it, uh, it felt really cool, too. You know, I was, yeah. that, that was me. I was, the, I was the stunt kid. You know, everybody in high school knew me as that. And um, so uh, I was very vocal about it to the dismay of my uh, counselors, my teachers and everybody else, you know, hey, you're, you're throwing your life away. Why aren't you uh, why aren't you going to college? You know, you get decent grades, this and that when you actually go to class. Um, but uh, I just knew it wasn't for me. I, I never liked school. I, I just I was a very hands on kind of person, you know, and um, just uh, more schooling sounded like torture you know, yeah. to me. Yeah. And, and that's not to say that it's the wrong path. You know, I say in my book, I'm not anti-education. I'm pro the right education for the right individual. And, you know, college just wasn't the, the path for me, as I'm sure that it isn't for a, a lot of other kids out there. Um, so after high school, I, I, I did the stunt thing. I, I moved out to California from, uh, from good old uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin. And uh, I had all the ins, you know, my, my, not only my mom and my dad, but uh, my uncle, my grandfather, uh, like I just said, were all in the business of stunts. So that's what I did. And that's what I pursued. And I, uh, I landed more jobs in my first year out in LA than, than most stunt people do trying to break into the business in the first five years. And it was all, it was all great, but there was something missing for me. I found that out about two years in. Uh, that it was just, I couldn't, I couldn't handle being just a crash dummy. You know, I was a fill-in for, for actors so that they didn't get hurt. And, you know, when I took a step back and kind of looked at that and, um, and, and took it for what it was worth, I just, you know, I had always wanted to do something myself and been recognized for uh, both the, the good and the bad of, uh, of whatever decisions that I made. So, during this time, my dad had moved on. He, he was in the stunt business. He had gotten out of the stunt business. Um, and so he moved out to Arizona and uh, started repairing restaurant equipment. So he kind of, he learned all of this stuff uh, just by doing it. Didn't really go to school while he was there. He went to uh, HVAC refrigeration school because he, he was only right of things. So, uh, you know, he got his certifications, um, you know, and, and stuff like that back in the Midwest. And uh, while he was there, one of his instructors said, hey, if any of you ever want to work for yourself, uh, Arizona is in dire need of, of good service people and good, good service companies. And so uh, once I realized I didn't want to be a, a stuntman anymore, I, uh, I called him up and I said, Dad, I uh, I want to come out. So he had to kind of explain to me. I was as green as as green could be, you know. Well, I mean, my my life's work was getting. We were all we were all green at one point. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? Uh, I'm so thankful that 
that he allowed me to come in and, and work with him in, in his company. You know, it was just me and him side by side for a long time. And uh, uh, he taught me the ropes. I mean, you know, I never really got into HVAC refrigeration. My uh, commercial kitchen equipment, you know, hot side, ovens, fryers, stoves, that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you, you know, I, I started turning wrenches as soon as I got to Arizona. And uh, that's how I learned the best. And that's how I got to see the opportunity. Not only just in that niche, but then, you know, we expanded into the HVAC and refrigeration uh, through the years. And that was just it. You know, as we were expanding, and I was having so much trouble finding really, really good technicians versus tech. You know, they're out there um, to say there's not a ton of them out there because there are. But uh, it became very evident very quick that it wasn't by any stretch an easy position to find it's not a, an easy profession to you know reach into a pool of you know unlimited talent and and you know just pull out a handful of highly skilled technicians they just you know it, it's tough yeah so the like i was telling you before we we started recording um so you sent me a pdf copy of the book and and i got into it i i, I took my car for an oil change and i was sitting there and i'm like now's a great time because I'm in a quiet place. I got an hour and I opened it up and, and I started reading. I'm like, man, this, this book is actually really, really good. And you writ you, you wrote it really, really well. It's, it's, it's really easy to read. And, and, and um, what I was telling you before we, we hopped on here is, is how you, you said in the beginning, Hey, like, don't worry if you can't finish it or if you want to peruse or just check out the tables. Um, you gave, you gave the reader, um, less anxiety by by doing that i think and now that they feel less stressed to uh to finish it because when i pick up a book and if i don't finish it i get anxiety like oh man i gotta i gotta go back and finish that book so i plan on finishing yours like i just at the end of the day man i get like 10 15 minutes to myself a day so i've been trying to read a couple of pages a day and i know that's not a lot but i've read about 30 to 40 pages and i've really enjoyed what I've read and the fact that you were a stunt man first before you got into the HVAC field. I think that's a first. I think, I don't think I've ever heard of that before. So talking about this, the stunt thing, were you any, like, were you in any uh, movies or TV shows or anything that, that we would recognize? Um, well, nothing that you would recognize because that's part of the, uh, part of the life of a stunt man is, you know, you're paid to not be recognized quite literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, my, my earlier time in LA when I was still in hustle mode and, you know, just trying to rub elbows and meet people, stunt coordinators and other stuntmen and, you know, uh, things like that. I, I was on a lot of sets and I did a lot of, uh, work and, and helped out a lot. I uh, did most of it uncredited. Uh, you can always look me up on IMDB to, to see, uh, you know, what, what I was in and stuff like that. But, uh, I was on the set of, uh, of Eagle Eye and, uh, there were a couple other feature films that, um, you know, I kind of hung out with the stunt coordinator and, um, for lack of a better term, uh, snuck on to the set, you know, just to, just to introduce myself and get my name out there. Cause that's how you do it in the stunt business. Um, at, towards, towards the end of my, my tenure there in, in Hollywood, uh, I started to land a couple other gigs, uh, did an episode of cold case files where I got hit in the face with a crutch. Um, I did an episode of, uh, Lincoln Heights, uh, where I was, I played a thief and I had to uh, steal a girl's purse and, you know, she, uh, she beat me up pretty good. Uh, afterwards, funny story about that is, uh, 
she felt super bad because, uh, you know, we were acting out this fight scene and she, she unknowingly like hit me as hard as she could right in the nuts. Oh, and, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it was, it, it was all supposed to be fake, you know? And, uh, but this is again, the life of a stuntman, you know? And I mean, I was over there curled up on the sidewalk in the fetal position and she's, you know, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. She wasn't a stunt woman. She was the actress. You yeah. know, they were just like, oh, it'll look better if, if she does it. I'm like, all right, well, you got what you needed. Um, and then the, uh, uh, one of the most widely distributed things that I did was uh, uh, a commercial for the old cell phone company, Altel Wireless. Um, and they had these these three characters on there uh, that would play the different cell phone providers. So you had T-Mobile, AT&T, and Verizon. And uh, my job in this particular commercial was to double the AT&T guy. Uh, and, uh, he was busy looking at some cheerleaders or something like that. And, uh, uh, you know, he said, he throws his arms up and says, oh man, how could this day get any worse? And then right then and there, he gets pummeled by a huge football player in full, full pads, full gear, you know, and that, and that was me. I was the one that got pummeled. He didn't get pummeled. He laughed a lot, but he didn't get pummeled. (laughs) Um, you know, and, uh, and, and it was that. It was that actual stunt, you know, that job that uh, really was a turning point for me because we did about 16 takes of of that, you know, me getting hit. And I had no pads on whatsoever. And this guy, I mean, was he was like he was like six, four, 280, you know, and I mean, he's running he's running full speed at me and they pay me because I know how to fall, yeah. you know, but that only gets you so far. It still hurts. Um you know, and, and so we did 16 takes and then once the commercial aired, I realized that they actually used the very first take, uh, you know, in the actual commercial. So that means that I was hit 15 times for no reason. And I could barely walk the next day, <laughs> even though, uh, when they, when they, I literally just could have done it once. And, and at that point I knew, I just, I knew that, uh, you know, it was going to be more of the same if I stayed in the, in the sun industry. Yeah. So, so then you decided to, to go help your dad with the, with the kitchen stuff. And when you first yeah. got into that, like, did you enjoy that? Cause I've talked to the, we've had conversations on the podcast about kitchen equipment in the past and how it's like really dirty. And, uh, like, <laughs> especially if you're working on the fryers and, and, and the, um, anything to do with, with heating and, and that I, I may, I, well, you know what, even the refrigerators, if they don't clean them out, they can get pretty nasty too. So how did you enjoy that aspect of it? I didn't, man. I didn't, uh, not, not, not one bit, you know, but, but let me explain that because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that say, Hey, follow your passion, right? Follow. If you follow your passion, you'll never work a day in your life. Um, you know, and, and I think that, that's something topically that kids take to heart. Um, you know, when you're in high school, what does that mean? It means, Hey, find out what you love to do and then figure out how to get paid for it. Well, it goes a little bit deeper than that because do I have a passion for fixing ovens and and fryers and stoves? You know, no, I don't. It's, it's greasy. It's dirty. It's disgusting, you know? And, uh, uh, yeah, it, it's just, look, it's, <laughs> it, there's nothing glamorous about it, but I do have passions. I have passions that run deeper than that. You know, I, I have a passion for, uh, for helping people with things that they can't do themselves. I have a passion for, uh, you know, bringing life to something that was previously dead, 
You know, I, I, I like being able to, you know, put my hands on something that's, that's broken and know that it was because of something that I did that got it working and in turn pleased somebody else, you know, and, uh, and above all else, I love, love, love building something bigger than, than myself, mm-hmm. you know, which yep. is ultimately what led me to grow our, our tiny little business to, to what it is today, you know? And, and so find your passions in what's necessary, I think is a, a better way to look at it. Yeah. And, and you got to do, you got to do that kind of stuff in order to get to the point where, where you're at now, because if you don't, if you don't learn the business the hard way, like getting dirty, and, and going to the service calls and, and going to emergencies and being out late and laying on the floor, you don't appreciate it as much when you get to the point where you can not now, now you're hiring your own people to do that for you. You don't appreciate it as much because you've been there already and you understand what it's like. And when your employees get into a situation that they might be down on themselves or they might've had a bad day, you can pull them in the office and say, listen, I've been there. This is what I did. This is what helped me. And, and you can you can help your employees, and, and that helps their confidence. It helps uh, grow the business, like internally as a whole, and and it's healthier that way too. Because when the owner, the boss, the manager, whatever, he doesn't know or she doesn't know what you're going through, it's very difficult to communicate with them, right? Absolutely, yeah. And you see that you see that all too often these days too. Is you know, um, especially with the bigger companies, you know, they get. Uh, bought out by uh by advisory boards and and you know investment groups and and stuff like that and it's just it's different when you know what what your technicians go through every day you can you can placate to that you know you can you can i'm a firm believer that you take care of your employees uh more than you take care of your clients because if you if you take care of your employees they will take care of your clients and so understanding what they go through on a daily basis and, and, you know, um, really supporting them and what they do goes a long way, uh, because you have, you've been there and, and you know what it's like. And, and it almost gives the whole company, uh, you know, a, a better feeling of camaraderie because everybody's, you know, working towards the same thing. And there, there's very little resentment, you know, and that starts at the top with my dad, you know, he was the one that showed me, everything that I know when it comes to that stuff. And he, he still works in the company every day. He's one of those guys that, you know, you, you couldn't pay him enough to retire. He, he just won't do it. He, he loves to work. Yeah, exactly. And I think it was, uh, Sir, Sir Charles brought what well, the, the statement that you just made, Sir Charles Bronson, the, the guy that mm-hmm. started Virgin, um, he made that statement years and years and years ago and it's become famous, right? The, that you and treat your, yep. treat your employees well. Um, the customers will get treated well just because the employees are happy being within that company. Right. So yes, employees right. are number one. The customers are number two. Cause like you just said, it's all, it's all for full circle. And, and if you do it the right way, your employees will, will want to, um, treat the customers the way you want them to be treated because they're being treated the way they want to be treated. So I, I a hundred percent agree with that statement as well. When did you start to, um, to write the book? Like how long did that take you? Cause I've always been curious on the whole process of, of book writing, like the idea, um, kind of like a rough kind of copy of the book and then how publishers get involved and then how you turn it into this finished product. Like, can you go through those stages? Cause I think that might help the audience 
um, relate to the book a little bit better if you tell us how you got to the point of of releasing it, what you're going to do next week. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the process of writing this book, you know, it, as soon as I as soon as I figured out the void of um, uh, you know information when it came to uh, the skilled trades gap and and everything else is when I decided that I wanted to write the book. Um, and that was, that was years ago, you know, and, and I first started by just kind of jotting down some notes, um, you know, and, uh, and really, you know, quite honestly, it, over the course of, uh, you know, about two years or so, uh, most of the ideas rattled around in my head, like all those chapters that you're, you know, that, that you, that you're reading, you know, those were all just stuck in my head and, and, you know, um, being the, the CEO of, you know, uh, a company of, uh, what, you know, the size that it is today, we've just been in growth mode for the past, you know, geez, I don't know, seven years. And it's, it's kind of all a whirlwind. I mean, you're, you're in the business, you know, how, uh, how quick the days can go by. So and it never really, never really manifested into, into anything. Um, you know, until I saw actually a podcast, uh, so I, I saw a podcast with, by, uh, with one of my favorite authors, uh, Tucker Max. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Tucker Max, but no, he wrote, uh, I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell. Uh, Sounds like a good title. And, uh, <laughs> Assholes Finish First. He, he's yeah. got a couple of good books, but he's, uh, he's a phenomenal writer. He's known most for, uh, they call it frat tire. You know, he, uh, he's said to be the, the godfather of frat tire because he kind of created it. And it's just this kind of crude sense of humor. Um, but beneath all that, he's he's a phenomenal writer, and he's been on the New York Times bestseller list, I think, four times or something like that. Just ridiculous. So anyway, he uh, kind of wanted to, to get away from that stigma, and he opened a company called Book in a Box, um, which later became known as Scribe. It's called Scribe now. And they actually help authors like me through the whole process because, um, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a, writing is not my profession. You know, my profession is, is running an HVAC company. That's, that's what I do. Writing is, is more of a passion of mine. And again, you know, using HVAC to facilitate, you know, my, my passions in life. Um, I reached out to, uh, to Tucker and, and this company uh, to, to help me through the process. So, you know, they, uh, they paired me with somebody and, um, you know, introduced me to their, their in-house publishing firm, Lion Crest. And, uh, uh, they kind of guided the process, you know, from, from start to finish. They, they got everything that was in my head out of my head. Nice. You know, I had some of it on paper, but not much. Yeah. And, uh, and they really helped me organize it, put an outline to it, um, you know, and so from the time I started that process, the time it's getting released is, uh, I think about eight or nine months because they're, they're just a team of pros. They know, they know exactly what to do. All the, all the kind of shit that I would have had to figure out, um, you know, on my own, uh, because honestly, I mean, a, a book like this, I don't, I don't know that I could have, um, sold it even to a literary agent. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, it's a very niche topic. It's very industry specific uh, to a point. Um, you know, so uh, so having a company on my side uh, like that helped tremendously. Um, and then, 
you know, they, uh, they did everything from, um, uh, from the copywriting to the editing, to the, uh, to the book design. And, uh, and then that's, that's how kind of we got to where we are today. So, uh, you know, they scheduled the release date, um, through Lioncrest Publishing on, uh, on the 28th next week. And, um, you know, we'll see how she goes from there. That's, that's pretty awesome. Cause I, I didn't know any of, I, I thought like you, you just write, write a book and you submit it to someone and, and hopefully they like it and want to want to work with you. So that that's cool that there's a company out there that kind of gives you the guidance. And I, in my head, I'm thinking maybe one to two years, but you're saying months and that's, that, that's, that's even yeah. better. I mean, um, so where, where did you find the time to like, like how many hours a day did you spend uh, researching or writing? Like you, you must have spent a good number of hours um, a week uh, getting your, your thoughts <laughs> out onto paper, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. It was, there was a lot of research involved. You know, it, it really, um, you know, it, uh, it starts with, with getting the outline down, knowing what it is you actually want to talk about, the points you want to get across. You know, and then you kind of reverse engineer it from there and you say, okay, well, uh, what are the main points? Okay, there's there's your chapters. All right. And okay, so now that we've got our chapters, how do we want to fill it all in? You know, uh, I don't want it to be just fact based. I want to be able to tell uh, some personal stories and, and get people to relate a little bit to, to me and, and how I got to where I am and, and you know, uh, trials and tribulations and all of that. And then you, uh, you expand on it from there. And you know, all the facts, because there's a lot of statistics in the book. Um, a lot of it is is math that I had to sit and figure out because I just knew, you know, through what I knew about college and, and what I knew about the trades, you know, HVAC and all, all of that, I knew that the numbers that everybody was being given, um, you know, as, as a whole were, were skewed, you know, because, yeah, the a lot of times, you know, tradesmen and women they don't they don't go the college route but for some reason their their pay and their status is grouped in with people who just didn't go to college you know so that means like the 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 bagger at a grocery store is being grouped into the same group as a as a an HVAC technician yeah and to me that just the separation it needs separation because yeah exactly then there's yeah there's 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 this false perception that that ensues um, you know, especially with kids that, oh, well, being a technician or working in the trades is, is menial work. It's low level, low pay work. And, and that's just not how it is. So I had to spend a lot of time kind of uncovering the facts, you know, um, just piecing together, uh, tons of articles and, and things like that, that you can find just about anywhere online if you, if you know what to look for. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'd say, during the whole process, I mean, I, I would dedicate at least, uh, I don't know, anywhere from five to 15 hours a week, you know, just, uh, um, you know, just getting all, all of the facts right and, and all of that. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's a big commitment on top of your, your position already of, of running a company. So, I mean, that, that's kudos to you to, to put that together, to be, to be helpful to, to people out there that are kind of lost in the, uh, what should I do after high school type of thing. So, I mean, we should get, we should get into that and some of the stats you threw out there. Um, cause you probably know them way better than I, than I do. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't remember what I ate for dinner yesterday. Never mind 
<laughs> stats and, <laughs> and, and charts. So, I mean, like somebody that goes to college and spends four years in college, like on average, what are they paying these days? About a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the average in-state tuition for, uh, college, including tuition, books, room and board supplies, all of that, uh, is approximately, uh, $25,000 per year. All right. So that averages out to about a hundred thousand dollars over, over four years. Um, I think it's important to note that almost 70% of students actually take out loans to pay for this. And, uh, you know, I think I even say in my book that, you know, you could buy $50,000 or 50,000 Powerball tickets. Yep. You do uh, say that. They could prove to have a better ROI. Yep. Which, Again, listen, you know, uh, the, the beginning part of the book, it's going to sound like I'm, I'm trashing college. It, it really, it does. And, and, uh, I try to put emphasis on the fact that if you know what you want to do the rest of your life, and that includes college and you have to have a college education to do that, then by all means, don't let my words in a book stop you. But if you have no idea or, you know, you, you have this idea that you need college for something you don't actually need it for, and save your money because, you know, uh, it could prove to be just in, in, in your best interest so much more than, than spending money to, to try to figure it out. You yeah, know? Yeah. I, I totally agree. I, I know I, I've heard people talking about some of the courses they offer in college and I shake my head. Like there, there's people that take Harry Potter courses in college. Like, come on. <laughs> like what, what are you going to do with that when you leave? You know what I mean? And, and if I was, if my kids went to college and those are the courses they were taking, you best believe that I'd be, I'd be pulling them out and canceling and canceling all funds going to that, going to that college any further, because I'm not wasting my money on my kids to learn that stuff. You know what I mean? It's, it's point, it's pointless. And, and I mean, like the average trade school, I mean, what does, what does it cost for a couple of years of trade school these days? Uh, probably around $10,000. For is that for two years or like one year? Uh, it, it depends. It depends. There's a there's a couple of different types of trade schools that are out there. Some okay. of them have courses and programs that last two years, and others have courses and programs that are as little as six months. Yeah. Um. You know, there's a there's a popular uh, trade school out here called RSI, um, in Arizona here that uh, they charge. I think it's I think it's around fifteen thousand dollars, and it's like a an eight month course depending on how long. Uh, how many classes you can make it to a week and, and stuff like that. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it really depends. But I mean, it, we're talking a fraction of, uh, uh, of what it would take to go to college. Exactly. You know, and, and most of the time in these, in these trade schools, you can, you can work at the same time. You know, they've got either night classes, evening classes, or, or however you want to structure it. But, you know, that's, uh, I, had a, I had a guy working for me. Um, for a while, you know, he was one of my first employees and I taught him the hot side of, uh, restaurant equipment. And so he knew ovens, fryer stoves, like the back of his hand and he wanted to advance his career. So he chose to go to trade school to learn HVAC refrigeration. And, uh, he did that at night, you know, and, you know, we accommodated, we made sure that, uh, uh, he had the time off to, to be able to do that at night, you know, um, and he was able to actually finish his course in, I think, I think it was like six or seven months, get completely certified, you know, pass all of his tests. And of course, 
he was still green as anybody who, who goes to trade school is, you know, there's a, a, a big difference between the theory of operation and the practical application of knowledge. Yep. But, um, but the fundamentals, you know, and that's, that's what the trade school is for. And, uh, uh, you know, he was able to advance his career successfully, uh, you know, by doing that, working at the same time, going to trade school, you know, he eventually, uh, left my company and now just, uh, two months ago, he, he was able to start his own company, uh, you know, which I, I commend him for. And, uh, I hope that he does uh, very well, but he was able to use it as a platform. And I mean, this is all within the course of four years, Yeah, I think four, four total years. So, I mean, it's just amazing when you think of that kind of ROI. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for argument's sake, trade school is one tenth the cost of college education um you can work while you're in school and when you're out you have less debt and you have a skill that you can now apply right away um and grow on and within three to five years you're going to be making some good money and in the first year i mean if if you work hard enough and you save your money you'll have that you'll have that debt paid off from from your uh from your trade school Right. And, and some of absolutely. these, some of, some of these absolutely. kids are coming out of college with absolutely no idea what to do after college and they're in debt a hundred grand and think of yeah. how, how far that sets somebody back in life. Um, well, gosh, how, it's, how it's, do you buy a home? Amazing. How do you buy a home? If you're a hundred grand in debt, no bank is going <laughs> to give you a mortgage. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, so, no, so you're going to be, and that's, when, <laughs> it, it, sorry, <laughs> I get, I get a little, no, go on. a little heated with this go kind of on. stuff, but but that's why that you know in America there's a hundred you know 1.5 trillion dollar debt crisis, and it it really is a crisis because everybody thinks that if they go to college they're going to be making sixty, seventy, a hundred thousand dollars you know right off the bat every year when in actuality you know they're getting out of college and they're making forty, forty five at best yeah. you know, and and so. You know, just to put it into perspective, I did this in the book too, but just so, you know, your listeners out there can kind of wrap their mind around how much money $1.5 trillion actually is, let's think of it in, in terms of seconds. So 1 million seconds is equivalent to about 12 days. 1 billion seconds is equivalent to about 32 years. And 1 trillion seconds is equivalent to about 32,000 years. Wow. So. I mean, you know, just the the mass amount of money that's being poured into college, you know, and and the, the amount of debt that's being racked up is is almost unthinkable. Um, and it wouldn't be that way if going to college actually provided the type of ROI that people think they're going to get, right? Exactly. Exactly. And and that number is astonishing to me because it makes me think: who is lending out all this money? And are they even getting it back? And is there going to be a point where they just stop? Hey, you know what? I'm not giving these students any more money because I'm not, I'm not getting like, there's got to be some interest on there. And I know student loans, usually the interest is not as high as like a regular like credit card or whatever. But I mean, still, if, if these kids are struggling to pay the money back and a lot of them might not even pay it all back <laughs> at the time of their life, like some, the banks or, or whoever's putting out these loans might say one day, you know what? that's it. I can't, we can't do this anymore. We're not getting any, we're not, we're not earning our money back from, from the loans we're putting out. What do you think about that? Yeah. Well now, you know, now, now we're kind of getting into a rabbit hole because you know, you're, you're talking, uh, you know, the government has a, has a say in it and everything else. But 
Um, you know, student loans uh, aren't forgiven in bankruptcy. They can't be just discharged. Oh, so no? you can go bankrupt all you want, but you still need to pay those student loans. Oh, geez. So it's a really good investment for any bank that wants to lend. I, okay. You know, I didn't know that. Um, yeah. So, you know, and then, you know, it goes, it goes deeper than that in, in, you know, politics and, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I, I could sit and talk for, for days and <laughs> days and days on, on what the problems actually are, you know, but, uh, the main focus is that, you know, I wrote the book and I just want to, I just want to say this. So everybody kind of has a perspective of how to receive the book. If they should go out and, and get a copy, the book is written in a manner, like you said, uh, to be easily understood. It's an easy read and it's a book of reference, but I wrote it in a way that would hopefully relate to, uh, high school students, you know, or, or somebody just out of high school, uh, but with enough factual information where, I could give it to somebody who influences those kids and have them pass it to, to the, those kids as a resource. Yeah. Hashtag parents. So, you know, because I know, <laughs> I know this, when I was in high school, uh, you couldn't pay me to read a book. You just couldn't. I mean, I got cliff notes. I, <laughs> I did everything that, you know, I could to, to not read. And uh, I'm sure that there's a lot of, a lot of kids out there that are the same way. So they rely on, uh, the adults in their life, their teachers, their counselors, their parents to, to guide them and, and show them, you know, and, and tell them what, what's right or wrong. So my objective is to get this book in the hands of those who can influence the kids to be able to hand it to them and then understand exactly what it's saying. Um, and then hopefully, hopefully, you know, it will convince some of them that college isn't the only path. College isn't the uh, the only measure of success, you know, and, and when you tell an 18 year old kid how they want to spend the rest of their life, they just don't know whether they pretend to, or, 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 or they think that college is the answer in the meantime, you know, whatever it may be, they just, they, they don't know. I didn't know. I thought I knew, mm -hmm. but it was evident that I had no clue, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, it's just, there's a lot of problems with college itself uh, for a lot of people. Again, some people it's great for, some people it's not. And I just want to be able to open everybody's eyes to, to the truth and what opportunities exist, whether or not they decide to go. I wanted to tell you guys quickly about the Dan Foss TXV Superheat tuning app. Okay, very, very cool app. I used it last week myself. So what you do is once you download the app, you take the application or the room temperature, the TXV type and refrigerant and plug it in. Then you take some readings, you plug them in and it spits out what the superheat should be for that system. And it actually tells you which way to turn the stem. Incredible. So I used it on a system, a CompuWare unit uh, in a server room, weight in charge, now we're maintaining around 69 degrees in that room. Okay, so it's a low temp. So my saturated suction temperature is going to be low. So the superheat it wanted me to have for that system was around 25. And I was around 25. It told me it was within range. Okay, and it sounds high, but you got to remember I'm at a low saturated suction temp. To get that 
actual suction temp back to the compressor, we have to have that little bit of added superheat. So what? that's what the app did for me, and that's what it'll do for you. So download the app, check it out. It's really, really cool. It takes about 15 minutes, the whole process, from start to finish. So when, when you're talking about people that influence, you're obviously talking about parents, uh, teachers, guidance counselors, uh, those types of people, because those are the people that are going to influence the high school students on what path they're going to take, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So my, my, like my father was all, all into me about the trades and he would come home like weekly with different ideas. I remember one time he came home with a, I may have said this on the podcast before, but he came home with this VHS tape of, of how to be a stonemason and he throws it on, <laughs> he throws it on and he's, he was, he was hyping it up. He's like, you get to travel all, all over the world and build these cool buildings. And I was watching it and I'm like, oh man, I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to do this. Like these guys were all like, they were filthy standing on scaffolds, like picking up big blocks. And like, I'm like, I don't know if I want to do something like that. So he got angry at me. Cause I just kind of, I just kind of played it off. Like, Nope, not doing this. And we <laughs> talked about electrician. We talked about, um, the different trades in general. And then he came home and he's like, he's like, okay, I've set up a meeting for you. Um, with the HVAC guy that takes care of my, the building I work at. Cause my dad was in maintenance. He was like a maintenance manager of like, uh, uh, a factory or whatever. They, they, they did a lot of sewing and, um, he basically was a sewing machine mechanic from Scotland. That was one of the, when he was, when he was younger, he had two choices. He could be a carpenter or a sewing machine mechanic. That was his only two choices. So that's one of the reasons they moved out of Scotland at the time. Cause he didn't want his kids growing up with only two choices for work. Right. Um, so then he's like, yeah, the, the HVAC guy that takes care of our plant. Um, I've asked him to come over and talk to you. So he did, he came over, it so sounded interesting. So I enrolled in a trade school and at the time, this is, uh, going back to 1997 is when I graduated high school. And then that same year after the summer, I enrolled in a trade school and that trade school at that time only cost me two grand, uh, maybe mm -hmm. 20, maybe $2,500 with books. And then the second year was roughly the same price. So I paid about $5,000 in, in school. And I think I was, I think I took out a loan for maybe one and a half or 2000, I think. And so I only had that debt. I had the $2,000 debt when I came out of school. So that was paid off in the first year of me, of me working. And when I got out of school, I did up a resume and uh, my mom took it to her work. And Cause I, what I did is I went through the phone book and I just wrote down like 15 phone numbers or fax numbers or whatever fr from the phone book. Um, and then my mom took it to work, my resume, and she faxed it to all of these uh, companies. And finally I got a call and um, I went in for an interview. Then a second one, I got hired and I'm still with that same company today. And I've told that story a hundred times, but I I'm still with the same company today because I got in, um, my apprenticeship was hard, but I learned and I progressed. Right. And and it's, I think it's, 
I wouldn't have chosen it any other way. If I went to college, I might still be lost. I might not have taken this path, right? And now, now this is generated into something else. Now, and you and I just talked, it, it's, it's funny how the world of HVAC, now it's like every, every industry is, is now kind of shifted to some sort of online presence. Now I've been able to take this knowledge I've learned through the years and create this brand of my own because I didn't want to go out in my own truck. I just wasn't in the mood for that. I just didn't feel like that was what I wanted to do. But this thing with podcasting um, and creating like content with tool reviews and all that, I really enjoy doing that. And, and the HVAC stuff going through the career of HVAC and learning it has given me this kind of brand of my own that I've created and is growing, which, which is, which is really cool as well. So, but if you don't take that route, you can take the route of business ownership. You know what I mean? Like, like you took, or you can work your way up into some sort of, uh, manage managerial role, like a service manager, a foreman, um, somebody that facilities manager. Yeah. So, so something like that. You can go into, you can take that and go into sales. Um, you can travel and, and concentrate on one specific brand or product and become, become an expert on that and go into sales. And from what I understand, these salespeople, if they're good at their job, they are making like double the amount of a tech on the road. And I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's crazy money. So there, well, there, there's is. so much opportunity. Sorry, go on. No, it's okay. It's uh, you, why that is, is I, I say all the time, this is a growing industry, but a dying profession. And what you just said about salesmen and how much that they, uh, how much they make just proves how, how quickly this industry in itself is growing and advancing. I mean, it's growing by the billions, you know, and it, it's just, uh, uh, it's amazing because it, from that perspective, you can see how much is being sold, um, you know, as, as opposed to, you know, what we're talking about with the skilled trades gap. But you're absolutely right, you know, with, uh, uh, with the opportunities. I have a whole chapter in the book about, about all the opportunities that, uh, that exist in the trades. And I think you just hit on most of them, um, you know, and, and like your podcast is what I would consider a trade adjacent, um, trade adjacent career, you know, um, or brand, if you will. But without the trades, without, you know, your, your experience, you know, you certainly wouldn't be doing this podcast. You know, I think that's pretty evident. Yeah. I can't, um, no, there's not many so, pod, there's not many podcasts is sitting in your mom's basement playing, <laughs> playing video games, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, may, may, actually right. May, may, maybe there is, but I mean, it's not the podcast that I'd be, <laughs> I'd be doing. Yeah, but yeah, but you're absolutely right. It, the the opportunities that exist in the trades are just endless, and that's I think a, a common perception uh, or misperception rather that that people have. They think they think a plumber, they see what you know, they see a, a guy in dirty jeans, you know, with his butt crack hanging out, holding a monkey wrench, maybe with 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 grease all over his hands, you know, and it's just it's a shame because you know. Uh, most of these guys in the trades, whether they be salesmen or technicians or uh, managers or whomever, you know, they, they monetarily, they're doing pretty phenomenal. I mean, considering the, the national averages and everything else, you know, uh, even those who, who take it and go into trade adjacent careers, uh, you know, and, and stuff like that. I mean, 
the demand is so high and the supply is so low, it doesn't matter what you do in the industry. You know, if you're in the industry, you're you're pretty much going to be successful as long as you're willing to work hard and never stop learning. You're going to be successful. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, and and you have to show that off the bat because if you don't, um, even though there is a high demand for technicians out there, your company might be like, yeah, well, I don't think you have the uh, have it in you to to make it here. So they might tell you to walk, and I've seen that happen tons of times. But when you find that, and and then the same thing on the flip side, when you find that gem, when you find that seasoned technician or the apprentice that wants to um, grasp the trade, show up 10 minutes early every day, stay late and, and absorb everything, you need to treat them so well to keep them um, in within your company, within your grasp, or they're going to go somewhere else. And, and that's, and you mentioned this in the book as well. So it's, it's benefiting that this trades gap right now and this moment in time is benefiting the, the employees coming in um, massively, because if you're really good at what you do, because there's such a lack of, of, of high talent out there right now, you can not demand what you want, but you can, you can demand some, some extras, some higher pay, some, some more vacation time. So so it's key right now to get in because if if we become saturated because all this all this promotion of the trades the trades the trades in 50 years we could be we could be so saturated that who knows what's going to happen but now is the time if you want to capitalize on on the lack to get your foot in the door and, and to make that extra money and to to be at the top of the food chain kind of thing now is the time to do it right Absolutely yeah and that's and that's the point that I want to stress too is that you know, everything that I talk about in the book, everything that I'm talking about right now on this podcast is everything is about right now. You know, these things uh, like the trades and like the economy, everything else, you know, tends to be cyclical. Yep. So, you know, the like talk about how the trades used to be a, a, a coveted career that, you know, people were proud to uh, to work in and, and this and that. And then there was a shift right into, uh, uh, you know, now success is measured by a college degree and and this and that. And what I'm trying to do right now is shift it back. And it's, it's not because, you know, uh, it's not because I don't believe that one day it will get there. It's because I legitimately think that if things get worse before they get better, then the economy in countries all over the world, um, more so in the, in the Western, you know, uh, countries like, like we're at, um, will begin to see the impact. If, if something doesn't shift soon, because, you know, as this, as this skilled trades gap widens and more, more technicians and more people are retiring than entering the business, I think the ratio the last time I checked was about five to one for every five people that retire from the trades, one enters, uh, which is just astronomical, right? When you, when you think about it on a grand scale, um, but what happens is, is, is what, you know, these technicians, everybody entering the trade, they get paid more and which is great, which is great for them, right? They, they benefit. Um, but as, as a country, as an economy, as a society, you know, whatever you want to call it, the more that, the more that we pay them and the more that, you know, the trades themselves cost, uh, business owners in the trades, the higher the prices are going to go. For the customers, and this yeah. is where I don't think, 
people really understand the trades. You know, I mean, short of living in the middle of the woods, if you live in in any type of semi-populated area and you look out the window, I mean, the trades have literally manufactured the world as we see it today. Everything, your car, your phone, your house, your electricity, your plumbing, you know, the blacktop, the... In, in cities, you know, you've got the trees, the, the street lights. The, I mean, it's endless. It is truly endless, um, you know, what the trades are responsible for. And so the more that we end up uh, widening this gap, the more expensive everything will get because everything is a result of tradesmen and tradeswomen. Yeah, 100% agreed. And uh, <laughs> some customers, they don't understand why it costs so much to uh to repair your furnace or to repair your your ac why is this costing me um seven hundred dollars well you 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 were the one that wrote the um what do you call it the the handyman's uh invoice right was that that was in your book i didn't i didn't write no you didn't write it but but uh, you yeah you you added it into your book yeah yeah i did yeah okay yeah because i've seen that story several times um written different ways and and I just remembered that as we were discussing this, so maybe it's a cool story. And for those that haven't heard um, the version that's in your book, maybe maybe you should tell it because it hit it hits home with a lot of people and 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 the education they have and the skill they have and why they think they deserve high pay because they do deserve it because <laughs> that tap of the hammer, right? You know what I mean? Knowing where to tap. So if yeah. you want if you want to tell that quickly, that that's a cool story. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I don't remember it uh, word for word exactly how I wrote it, but uh, um, you know, it basically goes something like this: uh, the owners of a large ship, right, were were set to embark on a maiden voyage, and uh, they were they were set to take off, but unfortunately, uh, the engine wouldn't crank over. You know, it just just wouldn't turn on, uh, and they had no idea what to do. So they called in engineer after engineer. You know. Um, and nobody could figure out why this engine just wouldn't work. So finally, one of the engineers said, hey, call this guy. He's been fixing ships all his life. And, uh, uh, you know, an old man showed up uh, with his little tool bag, um, took, a look at the, uh, took a look at the ship, took a lo- look at the engine, and, uh, you know, tinkered for a minute, pulled out a small hammer from his bag, right, tapped twice on the uh, on the engine and suddenly as if magic the the engine just just lurched to life right the whole thing cranked over everybody was grateful uh they could set set out on their on their maiden voyage and and everybody's happy so uh a week later they get a bill for $10,000 and the owners are like well $10,000 all he did was tap something from a hammer so with or with a hammer and uh so they, they wrote the old man and they said, hey, uh, can you send us an itemized bill of, of what you did? And, you know, so we know where our money is going. And they received a letter back, an itemized bill that read, uh, tapping with a hammer, $2, knowing where to tap, $9,998. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. <laughs> I've seen so many renditions of that story. And, and it's true. I mean, we, we talk about that at our shop, like some of the, like the, the senior techs, like the, if, if, if a quote for a motor is like four hours and an apprentice goes and does it and it takes him four, but 
the uh, the seasoned, experienced journeyman goes out and he can do it in an hour. Why does he have to like? Why, why does the apprentice get four hours for the same job and he only gets an hour? Why is he being punished for knowing how to do the job mm-hmm. faster? So why can't I do the job in an hour? Go have a coffee, read the paper, put my feet up, and and go to the next job in three more hours from then and get my four hours. I, I mean, that's that's the discussion we have all the time, and j- just because, like you said, knowing knowing where to tap, just it's it's the experience. Yeah, it's it's uh, as my dad always said, you know, you, you pay for what we know, not what we do. Yeah, yeah, and 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 to get to the point of knowing what you know, you have to put in the work, you have to put in the time. Yep. And you have to put in the blood, sweat, and tears. And I'm telling you, sometimes there there is tears in 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 the trade. Three at once. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and and your time as a person, and and all the, the the time you've put into something is is worth something. It it really, really is. I'm true. I'm a firm believer that a person's time is worth more um, than anything else that they've got because we only have a limited amount of time. And the saying goes, the Brinks truck doesn't follow the hearse to the to the graveyard. So, I mean, time time is precious. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you've gotten to the to the point in the book, or if that was just coincidence. But I talk all about that too, about how time is way more valuable than money. Yeah, I, I'm not. What what chapter is that? I think it's towards the end. I think okay. I touched uh, touched on that towards the end of the book. I haven't got. I'm trying I haven't to really drive to part, my yeah. point home. Yeah, I, I didn't get to that part yet, but it sounds like you and I are on the same wavelength here. So, 100%. yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Cool. So, um, let's go over the book title again and, and the launch date, and and uh, maybe you you can send me a link or whatever, and then I can put the link into the podcast notes or summary at the end, just so when the podcast comes out, there's a place where um, people can go check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So the book is uh, uh, Blue is the New White, The Best Path to Success That Nobody Told You About Until Now or No One Told You About Until Now. Um, it uh, releases uh, next Tuesday, the 28th of May. Um, will be immediately available on Amazon. Uh, should have uh, an ebook. And uh, if you do end up releasing this podcast before then, uh, just so everybody knows out there, I, I am discounting the ebook that Tuesday through Friday to 99 cents. Oh, cool. Typically it's going to be seven. Yeah. Typically it's going to be seven bucks. Um, and then I think the paperback's 15 and the hardcover is 22 or 23. Um, but, uh, yeah, those first four days, uh, I've got the ebook at 99 cents to try to get it as many, uh, hands as possible. You know, just want to start the distribution and, and, uh, you know, start changing people's perceptions on what it means to be in the trades. Well, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to have a, you, you saw when we first tried to do this on Google, um, hangouts and I had a shelf in the back, uh, in behind me, I'm going to put some cool tools and stuff and I'm going to put your book right on that shelf. <laughs> nice, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I haven't gotten your book out yet, but I promise it will go out this week. Oh man, no, no, no rush. No, but it's, it, I just, I saw, I saw your, uh, your guitars and your cool picture that said leadership on the wall. And I, I just got this sheet and this blank uh, shelf behind me. So I'm slowly, uh, I'm slowly <laughs> gathering materials to make it look like more of an HVAC uh, podcast studio, even though it's just a, a little corner of my basement. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nice. Well, it's coming along nicely. <laughs> Thank you, man. I So, Josh, I really appreciate your time. Um, and I really appreciate the time and effort you put into writing the book because I know it's going to help a lot of people. Awesome. Gary, well, I appreciate you having me on the show. Appreciate everything that you do. Keep on, man. Just a correction I got to make. I was listening to the podcast in its full entirety from start to finish, and I realized I said that... <laughs> Sir Sir Charles Bronson was the guy that made that famous quote. Well, Charles Bronson, the actor, didn't make that quote. It was Sir Richard Branson that made the quote. So I apologize for that. I don't want to get anybody confused or make it sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. But at the time, I must have been confused when I said it. Anyway, I just wanted to clear that up. Thanks. So I did post some pictures all over social media this week because I had an opportunity to look inside of a cut open recovery tank, actually more than one. There's about three or four of them or so. Uh, one was fairly clean inside. The others, I found some real nasty stuff. Like I took my finger and scooped it up. Oil, dirt, you name it. I mean, you gotta be really careful with these recovery tanks. And I would recommend using an inline filter dryer going in and out if you have to reuse that gas. Anyway, guys, that was a great conversation with Josh. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, the book, guys, the book is Blue is the New White, The Best Path to Success. No one told you about until now. And Josh spent a lot of time putting that together. And if you guys are interested, I left all the information in the podcast notes. Go check it out. Have a read. Really good book, guys. I'm out. Happy HVACing.